What beautiful music this morning on this Communion Sunday, this special day leading toward Easter. Several things I want to share today. If we've not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. Uh, one of those things is that we're having a, a family experience at 5 o'clock today here uh, in our sanctuary. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the first of many. And so if you're a child, invite your parents to come with you. Uh, if you're a parent or grandparents, invite your kids to come with you and join us at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary. A special time of worship led by our kids, uh, young people. Others are going to be involved. I think you'll really enjoy it. Be blessed. They'll be blessed. Uh, what a great day to gather and a great way to celebrate this, uh, this Sunday so close to Easter. We also uh, are preparing for Easter. Uh, Easter falls different times of the year, uh, depending upon the year. This year it's an early Easter, the last weekend of March, only a couple weeks away. i uh, share with you a little bit about that. Uh, your message, your, your bulletin also shares some of this as well. Uh, we go, if you're new to our church, you may not know, we go and have worship at the Performing Arts Center uh, here in Mansfield. School District uh, provides that for us. Uh, it's about, it seats about four or 5,000 people. It's a very big space on the end of Debbie Lane. And we'll have services at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. It's contemporary. 11 o'clock traditional, also in that space. 6 o'clock Saturday night as well in that space. And we have a regular 815 worship here in our sanctuary that's our only service still on our campus. So please be aware of all those uh, services and pray about those things. Pick the one to come. Bring someone with you. We're also going to give you a chance to participate today uh, in inviting others to come to church. In times past, we send out uh, really uh, postcards to everybody around us. Usually 20,000 or so go out. This year we're not doing that. But we have the postcards. Uh, and we want you to actually help us by giving those out yourself. It says in the front, even in the darkest moment, hope is alive. The times of our services, where they're located. On the back, it talks about also the day before we have a rise and shine uh, fun run, bounce houses, food trucks, fun for the whole family, 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock the day before here on our campus. So tell them about how they can connect with your church, either fun family event. Uh, there'll be Easter eggs involved in that event, by the way, as you might imagine. Uh, that's part of our, our, our story as well that day before, and also Easter. There, we have, as you leave today at every exit, we have packets of 10 of these, these inv invitation uh, postcards. Also has on there what to do with them. It says, give them to your friends. Give them to your family. If you want to mail them, find a bigger card, mail them to someone. Uh, hand them out at the restaurant that you eat at or the ball fields you enjoy playing sports or watching your family play sports. Uh, and that's a way we can, because we believe that a postcard makes a difference. But when they get it from you, someone they know, the connection is so much more powerful, so much more personal. You telling them, I want you to share Easter good news with me at my church. And so think about taking them as you leave. They'll be available the next couple of weeks. They're, they're at a packet of 10. Grab one. Pray about who needs you to tell them and offer them an invitation to Good News Day. And I think you'll be surprised the difference you, together we can make in, in reaching people for Christ in this very unique, special way, which we call Easter, Story of the Resurrection. Now we continue in a message series that we call the 40-Day Challenge. Uh, which leads up to Easter. We call it our Lenten message series. It's around uh, the time John the Baptist met Jesus. Later on, had a discussion with his followers about everybody's going to Jesus and not coming to you anymore. And he says these words, 
John 3.30, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater, I must become less. We're talking about the Christian life in those words. What is a Christian? How does a follower of Christ live? What is it like to walk with God? Uh, what do I believe? Who am I? How do I live? And really, in a very real way, how do I live a joyous, happy, secure, meaningful life because of these very simple words that Jesus is about? He must become greater. I must become less. Now, I want to make a statement that I hope you listen to very closely. thought about that a lot. It's my opinion, but I want you to hear it. Few things, I think anyway, are more dangerous than thinking that anything I have, have done, or am belongs to me. So I want you to think about that closely, and I'm going to say it again. Few things, I believe, are more dangerous than thinking that anything I have, have done, or am belongs to me. Because, of course, it belongs to God. It's because of God. God created, made, formed, shaped, blessed, helped, and he's with us. And so we are very, in a very real way, in the light of what those, those verses say, the Bible verses I'm going to read in a moment, what I just said, we are training to be last. And that's really weird in our world, to train to be last. What a servant is, what a Christian is, what a follower of Christ is, what someone who is happy is, is one who trains to be last. I'm going to tell a story before I read the scripture verses for you today. And it goes back to when I uh, was in high school, part of high school, and also junior high school. I lived in Okinawa, Japan. My dad was stationed there in the Air Force. And one of the things that our families wanted us to be able to experience was having a job. They thought we'd be incomplete if we did not have jobs. Well, there were no jobs in Okinawa. And so they had a, our families had a big fair every year and raised money to pay us to do work. And the military uh, Air Force decided to help us do that by giving us jobs that our parents actually paid us for that fair to do. And so I, I worked one year at a warehouse there in Okinawa. And the rest of the years I was there, I worked uh, actually in, in, in taking care of uh, cutting grass. And we cut grass with, with round sickles in the hot Okinawan sun. We, were, we thought we deserved more than we were getting, I'll tell you that. But we got paid 50 cents an hour from that fund during those summer months, while the four years that we were in Okinawa. Now, we were told something, though. We were told that you'll be working with Okinawans as well, who are hired as also to work with us, and, and their pay fed their families, paid their housing, took care of them. In a very strange economic situation, we were told, don't tell the Okinawan man who has three kids you're working with, don't tell him how much you as a 14-year-old is getting paid because they only get 35 cents an hour and you're getting 50. Do not tell them because why? It won't go well. <laughs> it will not go well for you or them or anybody else. It will not go well. They find out what these kids are getting paid even though you, they agreed to the, getting paid what they're getting paid. Now, I'm going to read for you these verses these verses are, this is a parable, and so Jesus is teaching us. He's saying, I'm going to tell you not only how to be a Christian, how to be a disciple, how to live for God, how to live a godly, holy life, how to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to tell you how to be happy 
as a Christian, how to have a joyous life, how to walk in a meaningful existence, secure and in a very good place. I'm going to tell you how to do it, and here's a parable I'm going to tell you to teach this to you. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarii, which is a day's pay for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. But when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour, like about 10 minutes before closing, the hour came, each one received a denarii, again a day's pay. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarii. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. You have made them, e you have made them equal to us. You treated them just like us, who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered, he said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarii? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is it your, or is, or are you envious because I am generous? You don't like that I'm generous? And verse 16, so the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Again, Jesus' teaching Teaching them, I'm going to tell you how to be happy, how to walk with God, how to live in peace, how to live in the kingdom of God if you listen to me. Now, what do you think those, uh, those folks who had worked all day long thought when those who worked only a short time got the same pay? What's the word we think about today? That's not, that's not fair. Uh, what else do we think? Well, they don't deserve it, and I really do. I deserve more because, you know, they haven't worked as hard as I do. And, and what, what do people feel like when that, those kind of things happen? They can feel resentful, they can be bitter, and they can be unhappy with what they have, which is a full day's wage, a denarii given by the landowner to them for the job that they have. They can be resentful and they may not appreciate what they have and, and they find themselves miserable, unhappy, and they live a life that infects other people with the very same feeling that they have in their life. So what is Jesus teaching us? Well, the first thought I have, and you have a message page if you'd like to follow along, being last, which we're training to do as Christians, Christians train to be last. That's what worship is, why we read the Bible, what prayer is about. Being last is as simple 
as learning to live in a Christ-centric way. Now, when I say that, we're talking about Jesus Christ being the center of our worship, our experience, our life, our ambitions, who we are. We have communion on the altar today, so you have a sense of what that might look like. We have the, the blood of Christ, the broken body of Christ, sacrificed for us because God loves us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and this is the center of our life, is the, the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ revealed in a very clear way today in communion, which we'll receive later on in our service. So when we say that, that's the center of my life, well, thank you, God, for all you give me in life, which is the point. They were angry, not really because someone got more or less. They were angry that the landowner was generous. And how dumb is that? The landowner owns the land. The landowner has the job. The landowner has the money. The landowner has control. It's all about the landowner anyway. We're the employee. And yet in this case, they were resentful. It was unfair. They were unhappy and miserable. They grumbled and they were angry that the landowner decided to be a generous person. Well, why, was it, why should we be upset about that? Matthew 20, 16. So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Typically, resentment or anger or we didn't deserve or life is unfair is not about a struggle with someone. Not about a struggle with a family member usually or struggle with an employer or an employee or a neighbor or friend or a church member or a pastor. Struggles are almost always with the landowner. We just don't know that. We miss that. The struggle is with God. Because it says here, God gives just like he wants to. And God is generous. So we should be grateful at that point of gift. Again, the center of God's gift is our Christ-centric faith, which is the cross of Christ, the salvation of our soul, the love of God, the goodwill of God toward us, and the promise God gives us that I want you to be happy. And here's how you can be happy if you believe and accept and walk that way. There's some other points I want to share, teaching points about this passage and training to be last. The world is about being first in what we have, do, and get. And that's okay in many ways. If you run a race, it's perfectly appropriate that you want to win that race, train hard for it, work hard at it. I want to come in first, you know. It's appropriate to say, you know, I want to get that job. I want to, I want to take care of my family. I want to be able to pay the bills. I want to send my kids to college, wherever you are in your life. Say, I want, I want to do well, that, I, that I, I, I rise up in my employment. It's good to say that. Uh, it's okay. these, are, these are positive things to say, yeah, I, 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 want to have, I need to have this, and it's okay if I work toward that, and, and I want to do this and, and achieve and be successful. I want to get that. There's all kind of, those, those, none of those things are bad. None of those things are inherently bad at all. But here's the point. We train to do that really well. We start very young to train that way. And so it's kind of how we think. It's how we operate. It's how we function. It's how we understand things. That's why if we work really hard, train really well, run really fast, it's so unfair when someone else beats us and they, only, they didn't do very much. 
They didn't work very hard. They didn't really deserve it, you know. And so we get upset about it, why, the, why they were upset here, why they were mad about it. Hey, wait a minute. I trained really hard. I worked really hard. I followed all the rules. It's just not right that this person got the same thing I got. That's not fair. And, he, and the, landowner says, or, or the landowner says about the kingdom of God in this case, are you mad because I'm generous? It's mine to give as I choose. So we, we learn that in our world. So Jesus says, that's not, that's not the way the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God, you're training for something very, very different than that. You're training to be generous yourself. Maybe to those who might not, you think, deserve your generosity. You're trained to forgive other people, even though they may not really deserve being forgiven. It's not about life being fair. It's about life being full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of God's Holy Spirit, full of forgiveness, and full of happiness if we can learn to live that way as Jesus later on knelt at his disciples' feet and washed all their feet. Judas, Peter, James, John, Thomas. And we think about what Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God and, and what it's like to live in life, to live this way in Christ and in the generous nature of God, what it means. Second teaching point. The kingdom of God is about loving, belonging to, and living for God. It's about that. Uh, one of my favorite writers of the years has been Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson now, is now in heaven. If you don't know about Chuck Colson, he was involved in Watergate, uh, the attorney really for Richard Nixon. He spent time in prison for lying and cheating and doing the things that many in Watergate were part of. But there in prison, he came to Christ. He found that place to say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins. And his life was changed and saved by the Lord in his heart there in that prison time. When he got out, he decided to serve God and he created one of the largest, if not the largest prison ministry in the world is what he did in prison fellowship. He also wrote a book, many books, but one book that I really love is simply called Loving God. And the theme is, what would we do if we really loved God? What would we do if I said, I really love God, all my heart, soul, and mind, like Jesus said we should do, what would I do? How would I treat other people? How would I serve and give? How would I deal with the issues of my life? How would I handle these ideas about deserving or resentment or bitterness or anger or the unfair nature of life that sometimes seem to be our journey? How would I deal with those things? What would I really do if I knew that I actually belong to God? All I have, all I am, all I will ever have, all I will ever be is a gift of a generous God. And I belong to Him fully. How would I live? What would I do? How would I treat others? How would I experience my faith and experience God if I really believe that all I have and am absolutely doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God? What would I do? How would I live for God? How would I experience that? How would the, the rules of the game change for me if those things are really true in my life? As Jesus simply teaches that, that's the kingdom of God we're talking about. Kingdom of God. Let me tell you, he says, about the kingdom of God, there's a landowner, and he's generous, and he gives as he chooses, and he has goodwill toward all of us. And that's made so clear in Christ himself, crucified for the sins of the world, how we experience God. Well, the next teaching point is this. Becoming last is about the generosity of God. 
So gener- it's, it's us believing that God is generous, that he's generous in my life, and I'm glad about that. I celebrate that generosity. In all the levels, God is generous with us about. And God decides that level of generosity for his purposes, his will, his intention for us and, and our world. And all of it brings happiness to us if we can accept that. Uh, my parents were getting later on in life. Uh, they have lots of little things, had lots of little things and furniture they bought through the years. And, like, and my mom liked to buy nice things. So their house was full of all kinds of stuff. Uh, paintings and statues and nice furniture and antiques. And later in life, uh, my dad and mom decided that they were going to do this. They said, y'all come over. Th- we have, I have two younger sisters and I have a twin brother. I want you all to come over together and we're going to go through every single thing in the house. And he had a piece of paper when we got there. Each thing was listed and typed out. My dad's like that, was, was like that. Typed out. He's going to write the name of the kid who was going to get this when they died. And we said, well, we don't want to do that. That's depressing. You're going to live forever. Well, no one does. But, you know, we're going to live. We're, we'll worry about that. Later. No, no, we're doing this. And we said, yes, sir, dad. So uh, we, we go out there. And, and it worked like this. My, my brother is 11 minutes older than me, so he got to choose first. You know, that's not stinking fair, you know. <laughs> we're twins. We were conceived at the same time. That's a whole other biological story there. But uh, <laughs> he appeared first is how that worked. And so he got to pick first, which he did. And then I got to pick second because I'm the second oldest. And my April got to pick third because she's the third oldest. And poor Julie, I mean, she got picked number four. I mean, talk about not fair. And so she picked number four, and, and then we kept doing that. In this big circle, it took half a day. We went to every, every tiniest thing, to every big thing, and this piece of furniture, and that piece of art, and, and that painting, and, and, and this little thing, and we got all that stuff there in place, you know, and my house is now full of those things, you know. But really, the core of that was not who got what, when, how, or where. It was certainly my dad understanding, you ain't going to fight over this stuff when I die. I'm going to stop that right now. Because dad knew human nature, because he had the same nature we have when his mother died. So he got that. He knows about us. God knows about it too. He understands it as well. So it's about that. But even more, it's about my mom and dad were very generous. They could have sold all that stuff. They could have all, they, 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 we want you to have it. We want you to have it. Do what you want with it. We want you to have it. They're very generous. And so it's really the, the core, if we really go to the deepest place of that is, hey, this is my mom and my dad, and they love their kids, and they're being generous, and they want us to enjoy that stuff. We enjoyed it. We hope you do too. So our house now is full of some of, that, some of those things. You know, and, and to, to experience it that way, hear me please, sets us free to be happy. And I'm convinced that a lot of people are not happy. And I'm convinced too many Christians are not happy either. They'll say, it's not fair. I should get, this should be, and that, that should happen. And, and we have this whole list of things, and, and others have been, and this going on. And, and, then we, and we find ourselves in a place that God did not attend because we're not living in the kingdom of God where we're training to be last. Training to be last sets us free to be happy. Because the struggle was not between my siblings and I, which we have little of that, so it wasn't really an issue for us. It was about our mom and dad. And I would relate to them and say, Dad, I, I think I'll, I'll take that painting right there. It's my turn. Or 
well, they'll probably like the carpet. Let them have that carpet right there, you know. And we, my dad, my parents were big on Orient rugs, that carpet right there. And, you know, I want those pictures, you know. And, and after a while, we begin to realize this was fun to enjoy this moment with our family. That's what it is with God. So we understand, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad this family here is wealthy. Not pointing at anybody particular there, by the way. This family's wealthy, you know, because God chose to bless them in many ways, but they grew wealthy. And I'm even more glad when they're generous with that wealth. This person has very little over there, and yet they learn. They've learned to appreciate the smallest things and to enjoy those moments in ways that maybe somebody else can't. They learn to appreciate that. As we experience life in that kind of way and understand what it means. Well, the third teaching point here is the gifts of God are God's to give. They're God's to give. And, and we to accept that is to really trust God. And trust in God is where we find peace. We don't trust God, we have no peace. We have to trust our Creator, our God, our Savior, the giver of Christ to us. We have to trust Him. I'm a basketball fan, so I'm going to use this illustration. Uh, there's a basketball player whose name is LeBron James. Uh, how many have heard of LeBron James? You, if you, you don't have to be a basketball fan because he does commercials all the time. LeBron James, when he was 18 years old, a senior in high school, he was six foot eight and weighed 240 pounds, and he could jump over the rim. He was amazing, uh, really a freak of nature. The kind of he was so fast, uh, so quick, could jump so high, could play ball so well, and he was drafted out of high school. When I was a senior in high school, I weighed 125 pounds. It was five foot ten. I grew when I got out a little bit and gained a few pounds and, you know, got past some of that. But, you know, I'm a normal person. He's not. Totally unfair. Totally unfair. Uh, and so now he plays in the NBA. He makes $20 million a year probably playing and makes another probably $40, 50000000 million doing advertisements and selling shoes, all that kind of. Now, there are other kind of basketball players, too. They're what's called journeyman basketball players. That's the guy who's not six foot eight. He didn't weigh 240. You know, he, he's 6'4 and weighs 160 pounds, you know, and, and really has a decent shot. And he's playing in Turkey. Or he's playing in, you know, some other town, you know, in Europe. He, he's making enough money to survive month to month to month to month, you know. And, and there's different ways of looking at this in life, isn't there? That person can say, you know, I'm really enjoying traveling around Europe and meeting people I never have met before and getting to enjoy a game, uh, playing a sport that I really love. I'm not that great, but I really, you know, they can do that if they choose. Or they can say, that's stinking LeBron James. This sure is not fair. You know, why, didn't, why don't I have his kind of talent? He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't appreciate it anyway, you know. On the other side, LeBron James, you know, this great basketball player, you know, he, he, could, he could also think, you know, this is all, this is all me. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, look at me, man. I'm just, I'm the best. I'm, there's no one like me, you know. Or he could, I don't know, I don't know anything about his spiritual life, so I'm not simply going to use this as an illustration. Or he could say, God has been good to me to make me a guy who can jump over the rim. Uh, make me to make me where I can make this kind of money. Now, how do I respond to that and how I live my life? How to respond to that in what I do and what I don't do? How do you respond in your own journey of life as you compare where you are? Are you that journeyman person? You know, are you the this? Well, we're somewhere in the middle typically in our life and our journey. The gift of gods are gods to give, and one of the commandments says, "Thou shalt not covet." Because God knows if you do, you'll be miserable 
You won't be able to experience the kingdom of God like he wants us to. You won't be able to serve God the way God wants you to do. So he says, don't do it. So we say, we can say, we can easily say, here are the reasons I have to be miserable. We can all write that list. I got five of them, three of them, two of them. I can keep on writing them. Here are the reasons I have to be miserable. Here's what's unfair. Here's why I didn't get what I deserved. Here's what's happening in my life. Here are the things that are going on that I wish didn't go on. We can all write that list. Here are the reasons why I should be and have the right to be and ought to be miserable. We have, we have that. Or we can simply say, here are the reasons why I should be the happiest person there is. The happiest there is. And King David said, I'm blessed above all men that my sins are forgiven. Just that my sins are forgiven and I'm right with the God who loves me. That's the God we prepare now to come to and receive the sacrament of, the Lord, of Holy Communion, what that means for us in our life. As I share you with you in this light of the communion, what I believe the secret is. Not really a secret, but uh, because it's very readily available to understand. But here's the secret. Colossians 3.23a says it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord. Whatever, no matter what it is. Smallest thing, the biggest thing. A few dollars, a million dollars. Whatever it happens to be, taking the trash out, loading the dishwasher, mowing the grass, or serving in the church, singing in the choir, serving your neighbor, giving some cards out to people who need to know more about the, the God who loves them, sort of Easter that we're going to be telling. Whatever that might be. When, if you learn to do that, you learn to do all you do as an act of service to Christ in that Christ-centric way, this is serving Christ. I promise you, you'll experience happiness the way the kingdom of God offers it. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the words you give us. We hear them. We try to understand them. Help us, God, consume them. You know us well in how we lean toward life being unfair, maybe even bitterness or resentment of others. Maybe how deserving is not what we think ought to be in our life or the lives of others. You know us, God. Today we turn away from that towards you. And we thank you, Lord, for washing us of our sin, granting us everlasting life, and how you bless us today and every day with gifts you choose to give us. And God, those gifts are always enough. We're thankful in our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.